0: Hey everyone, this is the Mr. Mike Agostino, and the views expressed on this show are mine and mine alone. I do not have any affiliation with Sport Lisboa Benfica, I do not represent Sport Lisboa Benfica, I do not represent any Casas do Benfica, any supporters group, any other type of organization officially um, established within Sport Lisboa Benfica. These views are completely mine. They are 100% unsanctioned and 100% independent. Enjoy the show. Benfica Nation, welcome to episode 12 of Mr. Benfica, and I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agostinho. And what a week we have here. Alright, so Benfica back on track after the big win Monday night at home to Maritimo. A memorable second half, a strong second half, which uh, blew the game wide open, and it there were some nervous moments there, no doubt. Um, especially, you know, when it looked for a second like Marítimu had uh, had tied it up 1-1 there on that corner kick. And, like, a funny story, like, it was a Monday. As you guys know, I've, I've complained about it all season. Glad that this is the last Monday game of the season because I hate these Monday games. I can't really watch them. And between the WhatsApp and the... Uh, you know, I'm in a WhatsApp with a lot of the other Befika, uh guys and girls that create podcasts and talk about them. The, the listeners, a lot of you, are, are in that WhatsApp. Even though, like I said, I don't say much in it. I do read it. So between that and between my text messages and uh, Facebook notifications, Twitter tweets, um, you know, my phone was buzzing the entire match. And uh, I was trying to get work done at my... My job. Um, you know, I've already used up all of my all of my sick and vacation time watching Bayfica games this year. Uh, it's down very low. I can't keep taking time off to to watch befica play or taking long lunches like I've done to watch Bayfica play, um, and then comment on the on the game. So this one I uh, I couldn't watch and. It's interestingly enough. uh, I did know it was one nothing, and uh, because I had gone on break and saw uh, on on the foot mob, I had the foot mob page up, but uh, minimized on my screen at my desk. So I was checking it from time to time, and I knew we were winning one to nil. Um, But then I see, you know, on my phone, I get a Facebook uh, direct message or whatever you call it in Facebook, a, a DM or a private message. I forget. An inbox. I get a Facebook inbox from my my good friend Dennis, Dennis, Dennis Silva, the biggest portista that I know personally, um, and a guy that that, that eats, breathes, sleeps football club de Porto the way I do Benfica, but uh, of course <laughs> sees life through through blue shades, through blue blue sunglasses, and uh, I get a message from him saying, "How is this not?" A goal. It's a clean. It's 100% clean goal, and you know. And of course, there's a link to Ujogo, an image on Ujogo, and like I said, Ujogo is not a newspaper. Ujogo is is a propaganda arm for Football porto So that right away discredits. <laughs> I see Ujogo, and that like discredits basically whatever I'm gonna see after that, especially after the Feyenoord game where they're posting images where the the offside Feyenoord players. Sleeve had been photoshopped red. So that it looked like it was a, a Benfica player. Um, I, nothing that comes out of Ujogo for me is, is has any value. Has any uh, any kind of... Uh, any... It's just... It's it's propaganda. If it comes out of Ujogo, it's propaganda. Okay? Um, so I quickly messaged him back saying... Bro, I'm at work... I haven't seen anything yet. You're going to have to listen to my show if you want to know what I think. So I left it at that. Uh, But I did see it later that night. A little bit. And uh, when I saw that play, I said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We'll get to it when I review the match. But, like, they're really stretching now. This, uh... And... You know, it's it's disclosure here. It is Saturday morning. It's not Friday night, and I've I've gotten on the habit of recording the show on Saturday mornings because I've been working later and later on Fridays. Didn't get home until after till after nine p.m. last night. About nine thirty, I got home from work last night. So, and you know, my day starts at four in the morning. So, when you have two jobs, it's it was it's hard to. Uh, some Fridays, I just can't. I I'm not going to be good at. Ten o'clock at night when I've been, you know, when I've been working from four a.m. to nine p.m. So I I've saved it for this morning, but so I have a little bit of knowledge on uh uh hey Dennis, my friend, um my uh my phone and my TV weren't working yesterday. How how did the port game go, my friend? I I didn't hear from you all day. I'm wondering how how it went. Let me know. Let let me know how they did yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for any of you that know him, uh, know he, as soon as Benfica dropped points, he's the first one to, 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 to go on Facebook or to send text messages asking, Hey, uh, my TV's broken. How did Benfica do today? But, no vamos lançar antes the Festa, okay? I've got to warn all Benfiquistas right away, okay? Do not get carried away. Yes, Porto dropped two points yesterday, Okay? We still have to play that very same Chihuahua team that did that to them yesterday, okay? We have a very tough game this weekend. I'm just kidding when I when I say, you know, when I say how did Porto do yesterday. I'm not, you know, I'm just kidding. We, ha- we have four games to go, okay? We need these 12 points, and I'm not going to celebrate prematurely. I've learned my lesson over the years as a Benficista. I will never make that mistake again. Okay. Um But it is it is a good weekend to be a Vikista. Huge, huge match tomorrow at the Pudreira. Okay, we have everything to play for now. Um We can can give ourselves a cushion going into the final three games should we uh get the three points tomorrow. I think it's imperative. It is a must. They have to come out the way they've come out for every league game under Bruno Lage, and go out there and get it done. Okay, there's no, there's no other distractions now. There's no Europa League. There's no midweek games. There is no Taça de Portugal. There's no midweek game. It's all about these four finals right now. Um, also, we'll talk about it in the news. But for those of you that don't know yet or haven't haven't heard. I recorded an episode midweek back on Wednesday. Okay, um, I managed to clear a little bit of time and I sat in my car and recorded a quick, well, it wasn't that quick, but I recorded a, a midweek episode of Mr. Benfica dedicated and focused 100% on the feminino, on Benfica's women's team and their qualification for the cup final at the Jamor. Beating Braga last last Saturday, four to two, and winning five four on aggregate in in the Portuguese Cup semi final. So they also rebounded with another win on Wednesday, eight to nothing at uh, Isturil Praia B. Also, I talked about this um, uh, on Twitter Wednesday night. Big win for Benfica in hoops in basketball on the road at Oliveirens the first place team and the defending champions, big win for for the Agüeros there. Uh, Thursday, another big win in another modalidad. I'll talk about that in the news. Um, a lot going on this week in Benfica nation. Okay, uh, continued continued um, story. Also keeps evolving is the the Samadhi contract situation. Will he? Won't he? Uh, Galatasaray. Now in the running. Um, always uh, a concern is that I think Football Club Porto is going to do everything they can to try to sign Andres Um We'll see how that one plays out. Again, when we get to the news, I'll hit on all these things. But um, it was a good week, like I said, for Benfica. Uh, if you haven't yet, check out episode 11 uh, about the the women's team. Okay, I I put it together midweek, and I actually think it's one of my better episodes. Uh, Having listened to it, I think it's one of my better ones And I'd like everyone to check that out, obviously Because hashtag Okay, um, So sit right tight We're going to roll an ad We're going to play conquista, And then we're going to get right into the news Stay right there, I'll see you on the other side I am the Mr. Mike Agustino. Follow me on Twitter At Benfica Mr. Or on Instagram at Mr. Benfica Sabes que estamos contigo, nós somos o um eterno brilho. Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós, a fé que não se explica. Carrega, Benfica, carrega, Benfica. Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós, a fé que não se explica. Carrega, Benfica, carrega, Benfica. De todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós O querer de todos nós Ah. Manto sagrado é peso pesado Não o carregas sozinho Em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do algarve até ao minho O vermelho pinta a tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso, por direito, que não fico Por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força, sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora, nós somos o um eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos é o eterno abrigo Devo a nossas o querer de todos nós A ver que não se explica Carrega all right in the news this week we've got some transfer uh rumors as as always um reported by Abola, which um you know can, you still have to take with a grain of salt um you guys know how i feel about the Media in Portugal, especially when it relates to to our club, but they're reporting that João Félix is on a list of players that Cristiano Ronaldo supposedly has told Juventus he wants um, in in the team next year to attack the Champions League or to attempt to win the Champions League. Um, now, I don't doubt that Ronaldo's agent George Mendes handed Juventus a list like this, and guess who João Felix's agent is? It's also George Mendes. <laughs> They're represented by the same agent, so I don't doubt for a second that the agent has uh, has told Juventus who uh, he wants to, to, to bring to Juventus next year. I talked a little bit about it last week, about the role of the agents in this game, and reports you read in papers a lot of times, when it says the player wants it, it, this is all communicated through the agent. Yes, maybe and possibly, Cristiano Ronaldo has told George Menz, "Hey, you know, I'd really like to have these guys on my team if we're going to try to win the Champions League." Um, we'll have to wait and see. Again, the the transfer window will be open soon. Um, we just have to wait and see. You can't you can't read. You can't really believe anything you read in Portugal or in any media really when it comes to transfers. It's all speculation. A lot of it is just agents inventing stuff to get to, to get people to start talking about a certain move and to get people to start believing a certain move and maybe to, to tap into the clubs and get the clubs to start thinking that way and create interest and even if, for example, a Juventus... Uh, doesn't have plans of bringing in a João Félix. They've been reported to be doing that. They've been reporting to be interested all season or the entire second half of the season. Um, By the agent telling the newspaper that that Juventus is interested, guess what, if you're Man United, if you're Man City, if you're Paris Saint-Germain, you're reading that, you're like, oh, we better raise our bid. Clubs fall for this all the time. And it it really inflates the value of the player and it just increases the amount that teams are going to bid and this is why you see absolutely ludicrous amounts of money uh being offered in these transfers the agents know what they're doing they're very good at doing it well again that's another wait and see moment um or wait and see situation I should say we really shouldn't be talking about transfers with with four <laughs> four matches to go but um it seems to be the the uh, elephant in the room every year at this time. And so you got also Samadish and Befica now are at a standstill. And supposedly, according to Obala, uh, they've reached an impasse. There's still no contract and it doesn't look like they're close to agreeing on a deal I have read. And um, I am... Not sure of the source of this, so I'm not sure where Bala got this. So take it with a grain of salt. But supposedly Samaris wants one and a half million uh, euros per year to stay at Benfica. Benfica is holding firm at one million and will not increase above that amount. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, um, <laughs> especially again, if Joan Felix is going to sign, is going to sell. If he's going off to another team, I don't. A half a million shouldn't be the amount of money that key, that that will cause a key player like that to walk. Um, I can't imagine Benfica holding firm um, over a half a million euros. But uh, hey, I'm not. I'm not uh, privy to their financials. I don't necessarily know what their transfer budget is exactly, tr- um, or I shouldn't say their salary budget. Tr- Transfers do not necessarily mean that it increases your salary budget. Um, There's a lot of debt also that the the club is dealing with. However, what I don't like is Luis Felipe Vieira, Orellis, going public and saying that um, it's not about Samadish. It's about Befica. He said, I'll paraphrase uh, in translation what he said. He said, Befica will offer what they can and the players that will be here are the ones that want to be here. That is an absolutely low blow, in my opinion, to a player that doesn't deserve that, okay? Vieta knows little to nothing about football, okay? He may be a very good businessman, and yes, he brought Befica out of the dungeon. They brought him out of all kinds of issues, um financially he rebuilt the club in that way but when it comes to to football he really seems to be very ignorant and he also once said that Tarapt would never wear the Benfica jersey again and look now i'm pretty sure he is the one behind Tarapt's playing time because i think he wants to to still work out a, a sign and and sell sort of deal and try to make some money off of his investment on Abel Adel, Adel Tarapt. um I don't like him throwing the player up making a key player a key player who is so classy and is just a consummate professional day in, day out. Dealing with this contract issue all season, yet going to work every day and in every match, just not letting it affect him. He deserves better than to be treated like this. This this president needs to go. I'm sorry. This president needs to go from a football standpoint. Okay? It's time for somebody else to step in because you can't be say, saying things like this about players. Yeah, I know. We don't know all the information. We don't know what Samadish is is demanding or what his agent is demanding. But still, this is a guy that has been a stand-up professional. He sat. He's rotted on the bench for, what, two and a half years, you know, just being a spectator. Then gets called upon to come back in and picks up like, you know... Picks up where he left off two and a half years ago, three and a half years ago, when he was starting every match for Georges Azouge. Quickly becomes one of the most important players in the team. And like I said, this guy has the material to be a Befica captain next season and beyond. I, he speaks Portuguese fluently very well. He's always the encouraging player on the pitch. He's always the one leading the troops out there. This is a guy that needs to be re-signed. You don't come out and say this. It's just absolutely stupid from a man who's supposed to be a businessman. He's, it just looks like he's hes offended or he's upset because the chance that this player might walk for free. Well, whose fault is that, Luis Felipe Vieira? You had three years to re-sign this guy. You let his contract get here. You let his contract get to its end. And now the chance of him going for free is your fault, Luis Felipe Vieta. Okay? It's your fault, not his. He was sitting on the bench, like I said, for two and a half years. Okay? And you, He wants to stay. He has stated he wants to stay with Benfica. Pay the man his money. I hear people talking about, oh, it's better to not overpay. Let him go to Porto. No, don't let him go to Porto. This guy's got a lot of football left in him. Do not let him go to Porto. Absolutely do not. Okay, absolutely not. Unless Joao Felix is staying, unless nobody else is leaving, and there's no money coming in for transfers, which is impossible. It's someone's gonna go, someone's gonna bring in a transfer fee. You brought in money from from Raúl Jiménez. You're bringing in some money from Luka Jović. You're bringing. You're gonna have some money from Andre Cahill. There's no reason you can't re-sign a player that's this pivotal. It's absolutely embarrassing the way the president is handling this, in my opinion. But anyway, again, this is a saga and a soap opera that will unfold um, as, the, as we get closer to the end of the season. This is also a great opportunity for our rivals to, to, to feed their press, to feed their propaganda arms, and to get you know instability in our locker room. Four games to go. Bruno Laj has to keep all of these guys 100% focused. Um, Fortunately, this is Samadij. This is a player who I don't doubt his concentration, his professionalism. I don't doubt that he's 100% focused on winning the league right now. And, um, yes, he wants to... I'm sorry, but are you going to fault a guy because he wants to secure his future? If you worked at your job, okay? If you worked at your job every day... And you find out that you've got a month left at that company. Are you not going to try to renegotiate? Or are you just going to focus on the month you have left and then see what happens? Okay, you can't fault the guy for trying to get this deal done before the season ends. That's what I have to say about it. We'll see how it unfolds. Alright, time will tell. In other news, Wednesday, like I said, Benfica... Who needs the NBA playoffs when you've got Benfica playing basketball? I don't need the NBA playoffs. Uh <laughs> the Celtics have been off for over a week, so I don't need... That's fine. That gives me time to watch Benfica baskets, okay? Big Win Wednesday. I watched this game. They went on to they went on the road to play the defending champion in the first place Oliveira, up in Oliveira de Z- Azeméis up north. Uh, American Mika Downs led the way. 22 points for Benfica. Mikel Gladness added 14. Benfica winning 84-79 on the road. Big win. Still in second place. Two points behind behind Oliveira. According to BTV, you get two points for a win and one for a loss in Portuguese basketball. Not sure why you don't just give one point for a win then. Um, maybe there's a way to get zero points. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, Liga... Portuguese basketball just use the win percentage what is this with points is it hard to make a percentage anyway it is what it is um benfica chasing down olivarez four four games left to play they're actually tipping off right about now at home against Ovares. i'll keep uh, updating you on that on that one as we go through this show i'll try to get you an update um of course, by the time you hear this, it'll be old news, but that's all right. <laughs> on May the 3rd, Benfica will host Lusitania. And on May the 5th, next Saturday, the final regular season match on the road at Fruta. Yep, they're going up there to play Fruta Corrupto do Porto. All right. In the final regular season game, and then the playoffs will begin. I'll keep you posted as we go forward um, in as to how Benfica baskets are doing. Finally, Thursday, Benfica's men's volleyball team completed the treble on the road at Sporting, winning 3 sets to 1 and winning the championship finals 3 matches to 1. Benfica have taken back the title that last year Sporting took from them. Um, Benfica really dominant in volleyball. Absolutely dominant. Um and they, like I said, they won the treble this year—the Supertaça, Taça, and now the championship. Congratulations to all the volleyball guys and all the fans um, of the volleyball team. And uh, Carrega Benfica, you know, un um symbol muitas emoções, one symbol many emotions, many sports. Love to see Benfica out there winning, winning trophies in every sport. All right, especially against Sporting. And that's pretty much this week's news. I do have some listener feedback I want to get to in this segment this week, okay? Um, I got some feedback over the course of the week that I want to read to you and and give you my take. Okay, and this comes from listener Neil Fernandes up in Canada, up in Toronto, I believe, is where he's located. Um, And this is in reaction to my my statements last week about... About... uh, Costa coming out. And, and what I meant to say. Is coming out in defense of his manager. And. As somebody walked by me. <laughs> um, this is in defense. As I was saying. In defense of his manager. Um, saying. I guess I, I did say that. They should say they don't care about the, the Europa League. Um and Neil makes a good point. They're not gonna do that. I'll read to you what Neil said to me. Okay, he said, and I quote, Befica will never go on record and say they don't care about the Europa League. Even if it's true, it's still a European competition. It would be bad uh it would be bad for any club from a PR point of view to just come out and say, Hey, we don't care about this competition. Um yeah, I agree that's probably really bad PR, especially when your devoted fans are traveling thousands of miles um, you know, to Germany to support the team and then you know, you're telling those fans, "Yeah, well, we don't really care about this competition. Sorry you took 3 days off of work and lost pay and spent money to 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 travel to Germany to support us." Yeah, I agree with Neil on that. Um I guess I meant it more in a context of a way of um, defending the manager. Because I think the manager was hung out to dry on this. I don't think he took, he took responsibility and culpability for the elimination. I don't think it was really in his control. I really believe that it was done behind the scenes. Um, I believe that the attitude that this competition... What I meant to say... Or should have clarified, is that the attitude and the lack of priority given to the Europa League comes from above. It comes from above, Bruno Leisch, Okay, in my opinion, I don't have a source in there to, to neither confirm or deny this, but in my opinion, as an onlooker from the outside, okay, and from what I've seen in the past, because um, Benfica. It's not the first club to do this. I do know in Befica's run to the final, the year that they went through Tottenham. I remember, and maybe this was not something he should have done, but at the time, Robbie Keane was a Tottenham player. And Robbie Keane was on television here in the United States. Goal TV, I believe, was, was broadcasting the competition that year. And wherever they got this interview from, his exact words were about the Europa League were that it's a the competition only has any value if you win it is what he said he said if you even to just go to the final and lose it's it's like wasted time because of the wear and tear you have put on your squad it's uh because of the the midweek matches that you get stuck playing okay um it throws the rhythm off, he said. It, it it gives you short rest. Players get injured, he says. And and this part I remember vividly. Robbie Keane said that the financial reward for the Europa League is not worth the pain in the process of getting there, even if you win it. Was his was his words. It's more valuable to be knocked out in the round of 16 of the Champions League than it is to win the Europa League, is what Robbie Keane said in this interview. And I think that's where I'm basing my opinion from, you know, six years later, five years later, whatever it may be. Um, And I think Benfica, especially Luis Felipe Vieira, if that part is true about the financial reward being really, you know, a low reward for the amount of effort and risk put into it, um, it makes complete sense why Benfica do not value this tournament. And why it's used as a a training match almost. But again, that being said, Befica had no excuse for going to Germany and not finishing out the round on top. They didn't have to win. They didn't even have to tie. Okay? They could have lost by a goal. They just needed, they could have lost by a goal or they could have gotten two away goals. They didn't do either of those, okay? And that has nothing to do at that point with the priority of the league. But the guys on Benfica F.M. this week also talked about it, and they came to the conclusion that I've come to. And he says, it appears only the Euro- the fans care about the Europa League. And I unfortunately agree with that, and I guess that's why I've had less interest in it. But I've also... This team is very thin. People want to think that professionals can keep playing and playing and playing and playing and playing and there's no wear, there's no tear, there's no fatigue but playing this schedule, especially in Portugal um, where it becomes a Thursday Monday, Thursday Monday, Thursday Monday is is very difficult okay it's very difficult. there you play recover, play recover there's no time for training in there and you're playing against teams. In the league that don't have to play that extra match. And in the Europa League, you're playing against teams that are rested in their league. And I do not, even against Maritimu, I don't want to see top players rested in the league. The The race is too close. Okay, I don't want to lose it now. It's too close. I don't want to see players being rested in the league. Even against Maritimu. And the coach is in a situation where he can't win. If he rests players against Maritimo and you have one of those nights where things just don't go right, even if you win by a goal or two, they're going to say, oh, you're risking everything on the Europa League. You do it in, in the opposite and you rest guys in the Europa League and you get you get hammered for not taking the competition seriously. The The manager really is in a... He can't win in this situation unless... he You know, you're fortunate enough that your second stringers play as well as your first, and that you keep advancing through. But, you know, I think it was Baquero on, on, on Benfica FM said it this week, that he he's under the impression that the higher-ups in the club actually feel relieved that Benfica do not have to go play Chelsea now in this Europa League. And after he said that, I, I definitely see that. I... I'm disappointed to say that I see that, but I definitely think that the higher ups—not the football people, not the ma- not the coach, not the staff—but the higher ups. Um, are saying, "Phew, they didn't want to have two matches inside of a week against Chelsea, at a time when the, the the league championship is in the balance." So, yeah, I I can see they're not going to come out and say that, but they got to say something better than what they've said. Up until now, but anyway, you know we move forward. We've recovered, and um, Bruno Lage is handling all this. I think in in spectacular form. Um, posed with these questions, he just holds he just holds himself composed and and gives rational and calm answers. And you know, as we see, there's the, another manager in Portugal is having a hard time with the press. Anyone see BeFica uh, go? I'm sorry, Porto going out of the Champions League and. And Sergio Conceição storming out of the post-game presser when once, once the reporter announced he was from Record, and he says, "Oh, Record, yeah, the newspaper." Who on a day when the only Portuguese team in the Champions League quote, quote unquote, um, I say that in air quotes because there's two, oh, what, two Portuguese players on Puerto um, is playing in the Champions League. The front page is about a player from Sporting in a transfer rumor. But that is how the media works. It's, it's, it's print, it's the print version of clickbait. But anyway, it was funny. He, said she got up, stormed out. He said he was done. Um, Bruno Lige has not done that yet. Bruno Lige has handled himself very well. um, Despite, you know, criticism. He's made mistakes in man management and in match management. There's no question. But, He's handled it well. I thought maybe he deserved more support from the club is what I was trying to say. Perhaps they can't do it in the blunt, you know, exact language that I suggested, which is probably right. Neil is probably right. He goes on to say, okay, that he's all for winning the Champions League. And I think this is in response to me saying Benfica could be where, where Ajax today sits in a couple of years if they keep the team together. He says, I'm all for winning the Champions League. In fact, to me, it would be the highest achievement and joy I could ever witness. Portugal won the Euro, and I was happy, but I identify more with being a Benfica than I do being Portuguese. But Benfica have a better chance at winning the Europa League than they do the Champions League. And that's true. I do feel like as long as UEFA keeps letting teams that get knocked out of the Champions League drop down into the Europa League, Still Benfica will have more chances to win the Europa League. Okay. I think part of what they need to do is they have to they have to build up a large enough lead in the league in order to to go at the Europa League guns blazing. You know, they did that under Georges Jesus. The first year they did they lost the final to Chelsea, lost the cup. And the league all in the same week. Okay, but this following season, they won the championship three weeks from the end or four weeks from the end. All right, they won it on Easter Sunday. And they were using, you know, B-team players through the end of the season. And were attacking the Europa League head-on. You know, they went, they knocked out Tottenham. They knocked out uh, Juventus, remember, a very strong Juventus that was hosting the final. And then, you know, we had one of the, again, we talk about the refereeing in, in Europe, and we had one of the worst refereeing performances ever in that final against Sevilla. And then, you know, you have the the Sportingista and the Portista there, you know, the, whatever you want to call him, uh... I guess you can call him a, a dragarto, <laughs> Beto in goal there. And he decided to save, you know, three penalty kicks or whatever. And it was the second time we lost a shootout to, to, to Beto in goal. And all the Sportingistas and Portistas cheered. Remember the ones that tell us we should be supporting them because we should root for the Portuguese teams in Europe. Yeah, they were cheering when we lost that Europa League final in penalties to Sevilla. Um, but, yeah if they could keep the core together they can attack either the Champions League or the Europa League in two seasons when these guys are in their you know early to later mid 20s you know when the players are between the ages of 20 and 23 that's where you can get a real good run out of out of these group of academy players in Europe um So, as long as, as teams can drop into the Europa League, I think Benfica are going to have a chance. They're going to have another chance to make a run at this. If that ends, if if they stop allowing teams to drop in, I don't want to see Benfica in the Europa League. I want them qualifying for the Champions League. I don't want to see them in the group stage of the Europa League, obviously. I want Benfica in one of the top two spots in Portugal year after year after year. I want to see another long run of titles. So, um if if they continue to allow teams to drop in which i believe i believe that influences the idea that the europa league is inferior okay when you have teams dropping from a f- first division so to speak into a second division type turn, uh competition they come down with less intensity um uefa does it because they want the big clubs in there to, to bring visibility and to bring Uh, interest to the competition Um, in the old days when only a couple teams played in Europe you had one in the European Cup which we now call the Champions League one in the UEFA Cup one in the Cup Winners Cup you know the tournaments had a a, a lot more interest um, because every team was a big team but as more and more spots are, are put into the Champions League the big teams are all there so the teams that are playing in the Europa League now is a secondary tournament bring less exposure, they bring less interest, and they bring less financial uh, reward, obviously, and less TV, less eyeballs to TV numbers, which makes the TV contract less valuable. So that's the reason teams are dropping in, but they're also not giving the tournament the proper respect when that happens. Um, and that's all part of what Diminishes diminishes the value of the Europa League. And then the worst of all is UEFA doesn't care either because they're not even going to take the time to implement VAR until the final. Okay? That's ridiculous. So it starts with UEFA and trickles down to everybody else. And his last point, Neil's last point, is with four games before the season is over, according to the newspapers in Portugal... Bruno Lige wants Salvi Feija, Servi, and Zivkovic out of the team next season. Even if that's the case, why would Lige release this statement and not wait until next season? And wait until the season is over, excuse me. End quote. I don't believe Bruno told anybody this, to be honest with you. I don't think he's concerned with this. Uh, perhaps the conversations have happened behind the scenes. Perhaps there's a mole in Benfica selling this to the press. Um... I honestly think the press is getting the idea from you know commentary from people people like myself, people like a lot of you that love this club, talk about this club every day. Um there's a lot of people that have their pulse on the the feeling that people have, that fans have, that journalists have, that people close to the club have. And I think this is just a general feeling that these players are going to be um don't seem to fit going forward. I think it's more of that, and it's a newspaper taking that sentiment and running with it and trying to exploit it to sell papers and to get clicks. Um, And we know that our rivals have moles or have elements in the media trying to destabilize our team, trying to fracture the locker room. Things like this work in that sense. It's worked in the past. All right, and I think that's where this is coming from. I don't believe for one second Bruno Leish came out and said, yeah, these four players won't have a home next season. Um, Because this is not the time for that. He's not a stupid man. He didn't get to where he is by being stupid. Um, He also doesn't involve himself in things he can't control, including contracts. So I think that this is either... Someone in Benfica leaked this information that was said behind closed doors between staff members, or it's simply made up. You know, given what someone believes that the the general population or the general fans believe. That that's what I got on that. And thank you, Neil, for the feedback. Um, if anyone else you guys got feedback go ahead and hit me up okay uh, you can direct message me on Twitter DM me on Twitter at Benfica Mr or you can send me an inbox uh, on Instagram at, at uh, Mr. Benfica it's@ arroba, Mr. Benfica all one word at Mr. Benfica and I'll be happy to, uh, to dialogue with you and to, to read these on the show. And that was a real lengthy news segment uh, this week, but sit right there. We're gonna go over the Marítimo game on the other side of uh, of some audio highlights. Sit tight. Volta perto de canto para na área a bola para trás. O the sound of what it was like Monday night that was the first of many goals for Benfica in some Monday night football action at the Stadio de Luge uh, Benfica coming away with the victory six nil against Maritimo um, in a game that Benfica had to win obviously to keep pace with Porto to keep ahead just slightly ahead as uh, Porto had already won on the, uh, two days earlier or the day two days earlier yeah um, on the day before Easter they had won. against Santa Clara. So, Benfica uh, needing the three points. And, again, we get one kind of Benfica when we score early and a different Benfica when we don't. And, fortunately, this one was the Benfica that scores right off the bat. Two minutes in. João Felix, that's the call you just heard there from from Nuno Matos on on Antenna 1. Uh, PZ with the corner kick, driving it along the ground. And Jerome Felix one timing it coming across the box um into the top, you know, top corner, beating the goalkeeper Charles. There was no way that he was gonna stop it. And um from there Benfica settled in. However, there were it's not to say that there weren't some nervy moments. We'll touch on it. But um definitely uh definitely a relief to get out of <laughs> out of every match with the victory as we now sit four matches from the end of the season can you believe it guys we've been talking week after week this is episode 12 so this is uh, I believe this is the 11th week I have I have recorded as you know I had it an episode midweek a special episode for the girls team um, for the Benfica women's team I should say uh, just for them because I felt they deserved it that was uh, episode 11 so this is really the 11th ep- week Alright, it's episode 12, but it's the 11th week, but we it's always been one match or two that we've talked about. Um, most weeks, we've had two matches to talk about. it has been a lot of matches, and here we are now, down to the last four. This is it. The finish line is, is around the corner. Uh, we're slightly ahead, and we need to continue to, to do that, uh, going into now four important matches, obviously. Every game is a must-win game, where... On the road on Sunday, which is now tomorrow, um, and by the time you hear this, it'll be at least today, if not in the past, um, an away match at the Pedreira in Braga, okay, uh, a match we must win in one of the harder stadiums to go away to in the Portuguese League, um, but really this is, it's all or nothing right now, so let's uh, let's get into the game Monday, okay, it, uh, this one's coming to you from Stadio de Luge. It's round 30 of the Liga Noge. The referee was Luis Goudinho. And before the match, Ferru was awarded the Defender of the Month for March. If you watch the game on BTV, your commentators were Elder Condut and Rogerio Matias. Um, those of us watching on Gold TV, we got Alejandro Figueredo and Osvaldo Boscacci. Okay, a couple of Argentinian. Um, Argentinian announcers and were they happy to see Servi on the field or Cervi as, as he you know it's pronounced in Spanish or or in Italian as the name is actually an Italian name um yeah they were they were ecstatic to see an Argentinian back on the field but um as always a good job by both commentary teams um Befica well covered and uh I just prefer the goal TV the, le- the non-bias um the neutral standpoint, I, I get a better. Uh, I feel like I get a a better grasp of um, of what's really going on in the match uh, when it's not being slanted by the club's network, and that's the only reason I choose Gold TV when when um, when the match is on both because uh Alejandro and if it's Osvaldo or it's Diego or Omar, they're not Benfica fans they're uh they're neutrals that that watch the Portuguese League They call five games a weekend they' they know this league as well as anybody at this point, and I feel like they do a good job keeping it down the middle and um calling calling it as they see it and not as they want to see it, which is unfortunately. Whether you watch it on BTV, on Sport TV, on RTP, if you watch it in Portuguese, people call things the way they want to see them, and not the way they actually do see them. So that's why, as um, why again this week I, I prefer Goal TV. Um, again I was I was working I was in the office Monday night uh, I stayed late I didn't see this live I in fact only finished it. A few hours ago, um, I recorded the previous segments early this morning. It's now 8:42 p.m. on Saturday night, and I'm and I finally finished watching this match. Uh, having a three-year-old sometimes really really makes you change your plans on the fly. if You know what I mean? Uh, I did a lot with him today, though it, it was fun. But um, so now he's in bed, and I'm ready to uh, to finish this podcast. I know it's coming out a little late this weekend. I do apologize, guys, but I had to get it out there for you. Better late than never, right? Um, the match begins with a moment of silence for the victims of the tourist accident, uh, resulting in many deaths, I believe, it was in Madera. Um And we're going to go right into the lineups now. So after the moment of silence, here is how the teams lined up, starting with the visiting Maritibu, coached by one of our uh, former greats. Petit, okay, Petit coming to, coming into the game facing a lot of criticism from, from the media, from Sergio Conceição, an actual friend of his, which is the ironic part, as as uh, Bruno Lage said in the post-game interview, that he is friends with Petit, but Petit is even better friends with Sergio Conceição. But Sergio had some harsh words when Petit admitted to having players, uh, you know, Take a yellow card to sit their suspension in this match, but it makes complete sense because tomorrow uh, tomorrow Maritimo's season is on the line when they play Tondela in terms of, of survival. Okay, so the, he did not want any players picking up a card in this match against Benfica to sit against Tondela. That's a six pointer. Anybody with with half a soccer brain can understand that. There's no I mean especially after, like I said, the absolutely embarrassing performance portimonez put out against uh Porto last weekend. Um, they were basically statues on the field making sure Porto got the three points. Uh no question there. So or two weekends ago I should say. Um so no, it was last weekend. Excuse me, it was last weekend. Porto was at Portimonense. A no, two weekends ago. It was an essential home game as all the Portistas took the day to go to Algarve. The league gave them a nice game in the middle of the afternoon, so all their fans could get there and return in the same day. Amazing, amazing stuff that the league does for Porto. But anyway, uh, back to this matchup. Petit's put out there in goal. The goalkeeper was Charles. Okay, his He had five across the back, playing with a 5-4-1, really hoping to avoid exactly what ended up happening in this match. But he put out on the right, uh, the right back was Nanu, the three-man center-back pairing, Douglas Groly, Rene, and Lucas Afriku. The left back was Ruben Ferreira. Okay, the four-man midfield on the right, Jorge Correa, the Argentinian. Uh, the pair in the middle was Josip Vuxovich and Pedro Palagio and the left midfielder was Leandro Barrera with Jetherson up front as the lone striker by on the other hand normal um, what we come to expect from Bruno Leijas is standard 4-4-2 uh, Odi in goal the right back was Andre Almeida the center back pairing as has become a custom in the Liga Nage Ruben Diez and Ferru the left back was the always dependable Alex Grimaldo. Uh midfield unchanged with Florentino and Samadij in the middle playing as a somewhat double pivot but Florentino doing more of the the number 6 work with with Samadij uh a little more free to roam. On the right, we had Pizzi, uh another mainstay. Rafa was out suspended, so the one change in the lineup was that uh, Franco Chervi came into the lineup and um, had himself quite a night, replacing Rafa as the left midfielder. And up front, the basically automatic strike partnership that has been the... It's been the choice of Bruno Lage since virtually day one. Juan Felix, the kid, and Haris Seferovic, the top scorer in the Liga Nage. Um, uh, an announced crowd of 52,224 at the Stadion de Luz. It surely didn't look like that. Um, however, the weather was quite bad. It was raining. It was a Monday night. And I think because of the way... Stadiums designed and where the roof covers. I think the reason it looks partially so bad is because all the empty seats are up front, and that's what you see on camera because of the rain. I think people, people uh, m- migrated higher up to be to get cover from the rain. Um, but still, not a sell. Yeah, it was a technical sellout, but not a full house. And this is, it continues to be somewhat of an issue for Fica for home games. And i and and we may or may not have touched on that last week, but the other podcasts have been touching on it. The the uh, sellouts yet, you know, five to ten thousand people not showing up for the game. That was the case again this on this night. But again, uh, it's a Monday night, and if you're not living in the Elizabeth area, very very difficult. The league puts this game. At at eight thirty p.m. I mean you don't leave there till ten thirty p.m. at the earliest. By the time you're at your car, uh, and you're on the road and you're headed home, if you have an hour's drive or more, you're not getting home till one two in the morning. Uh, I cannot fault these attendances on these Monday night games. I hate these Monday night games. Okay, Partial I think this is part of the reason I. didn't. Uh, Part of the reason I'm not so big on the Europa League, okay, and this is basically his first game since that Europa League disappointment, which I said I was disappointed. However, I don't like the format of playing Thursday-Monday that they do in Portugal. Um, It hurts the atmosphere. It hurts the teams in that competition, and it leads them to not take it seriously. Um, Again, Bruno Leij in his post-game press conference had said that, you know, the perfect... Way to play this many games is to play Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, and then you get that week off, and then you come back and play Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, and always play three games. You know, every other week that way. Um, and he he says it's what they do in England in these in the championship, and that's how they cram in forty six matches in a season. And the, the, the week just works, right? Because you get through three matches, then you have a whole week to recover and prepare for another three-match uh, stanza. The way they do it in Portugal is a little bit worse. Of course, Portugal has no control over the fact that the Europa League plays on Thursday and not on Wednesday. Another thing that makes it seem like an inferior competition. So, Befica is not the only team. We talked enough about this last week. Befica is not the only team that does not value that competition and i think a lot of it has to do with um like i said earlier in the feedback it has to do one with the the monetary um reward is very small and i think the thursday games are very very disruptive to the teams schedule to the players uh personal schedules you know personal work schedules the training schedule all that gets gets really affected negatively when you play on thursday Especially when you're trying to play weekend matches. The Portuguese league accommodates a little bit. But the, the trade-off is you get these Monday night games where an at, the atmosphere is not quite as good. And you get, you know, it's harder. It's just harder for us, especially for us here in North America. It's another game during the work day, during the work hours. So for me, that's obviously frustrating. And um, it is what it is. We're going to play on, on weekends the rest of the way. I can't wait. Uh-huh. <laughs> We uh, got two Saturdays in a row. I think possibly even three Saturdays now. The last week might be on a Sunday, but I love the Saturday games. Those are my favorite day of the week to see Benfica play. Um, especially in the time zone I'm in here, I love when they play about 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. in Portugal, 1 p.m. noon here. My favorite time to watch Benfica. But hey, um, so we're gonna go right into the match now. Uh, Benfica get get off. The gates running, they come flying out of the blocks, you know, right at the sound of the gun, if you would, to use an old athletics or track and field analogy. Um, Jean Felix with the goal in the second minute. It's a right-footed shot from the center of the box to the top corner. Pizzi assists it with a driven corner on the ground, and this was Jean Felix's first goal of the night. But uh, the corner kick comes from a shot being blocked, a Samadhi shot that was blocked from outside the box. Found its way out for a corner. But if he could get started on the right foot and right away are telling, you know, Maritimu that this is not going to be one of those nights, fans, I think, immediately uh, re- breathe a sigh of relief because it's very tense until if he could get that first goal. They go through and let's see here. Seferovic has a left-footed shot in the 13th minute miss. Okay, Left-footed shot from the left side of the box, and he missed to the right. Uh, Grimaldo had set him up. Uh, Let's see. We have Samadis with a right-footed shot two minutes later from the outside of the box that was saved in the bottom left corner on a play that he was set up by Cervi. Franco Cervi wins a free kick in the 17th on the left wing. The attempt was missed as Pizzi's right-footed shot from outside the box was a bit high and wide to the right. Um, 23rd minute, another attempt was missed by Chervi. Uh, Right-footed shot from the center of the box was high and wide to the right. In the 26th, another attempt blocked as Seferovic's right-footed shot from the right side of the box was blocked there by the defender. Um... In the 26th, Josip Vuksovich would win a free kick in his defensive half, killing sub of Befica's momentum at that point. And uh, we have a foul on Odie in the 28th minute. In the 31st, Douglas Groley uh, concedes a corner. And I'm going to go back. This didn't make the foot mob uh, notes here. But there was a quarterback here. I think it was in about the 20th, 20th minute but this is the one i'm going to talk about i you heard it at the at the top of at the top of the show i talked about you know the uh <laughs> the 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 image in ujogu that my my Portista friend Dennis, sent me and that play actually happens here in the 28th minute Maritimo with the corner and it is Groli here and it's very clear why this was a call um Sorry, Dennis. No, this is not a clean goal. Uh, you cannot post up on the goalkeeper and then back into him and keep him from being able to come out to get the ball. It doesn't look like a foul at the time that he heads the ball in. That's because the foul had already occurred. Uh, Groly is backing down Vlaco not allowing him to play the ball. He's not playing it. He's backing up. He's pushing him back. It's before he get the ball gets to him. It is a foul. There's no question. Um, sorry, portistas, uh, you can try to, you can try to make it a conspiracy theory, but nothing there. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a clear foul. There's no, no question about that. And from there, we return here to the first half in the 20th, that was in the 28th minute. Um. And that's where Vlako Dimash won a free kick. As I said, Odie wins a free kick. It was Douglas uh, Groley who who fouled him. There we go to the 33rd minute. 33rd minute. Safetovic walks in. A great ball is played into him by jean Felix. Gets it on his preferred left foot as he gets it behind the back. But Charles makes a nice save there with his right foot. He makes a little bit of a kick save as... Um, as Seferovic is trying to find the short post. Trying to find the near side post. But, um... Charles is not going to be beaten to his near side. Makes a good, good save. Um... Pizzi would win a free kick in the 38th minute. That would result in a yellow card for Hede. From Maritimo. He was shown the yellow card on that foul. Another foul by Ananu in the 39th minute on Franco Chervi. In the 40th, an attempt was blocked as PZ, right-footed shot from outside the box, was blocked. Benfica had a lot of chances to make this 2-0. They didn't quite do so, and um, this will make you nervous if you're a Benfica, if you're in the stadium, if you're watching on television. Knowing the immense pressure that Benfica is under to get a result and to get a goal, you know, to get a goal and another one. And just keep pile- getting the three points every week. Um, you can feel the pressure. And as Benfica continues to waste opportunities, the crowd kind of comes out of it. And there's been this talk about the lack of atmosphere. And again, I'm going to go back to this week's episode of uh, Benfica FEM. And they said, I think they said it best. It's not that the fans are not passionate or don't believe in Benfica it's the fans are afraid i think there there's a general fear of getting i think we've become conditioned guys as Benfica fans maybe not all of us but i think a lot of us are conditioned we're waiting for things to unravel we are waiting for this to go wrong okay and i'm guilty of this too because i've sat here week after week saying you know that only a 100% record is gonna is going to do to win the title um, down the stretch. I had said we cannot drop any points. And while I still believe that, that, just that's the sentiment, that we're all just waiting for one thing to go wrong, points to be dropped, and the title to slip out of our hands, because we've been there before. 2013 was not that long ago. I know it's still fresh in my memory. Maybe it's been six years, but I remember it like yesterday. All right, everything was all set. We were at this stage. We were at the third to final. You know we were at three matches from the end. We could have essentially wrapped up the championship on our home pitch in front of a whole uh front of a full house against Itriel, and we dropped two points um putting it within one game of Porto. We went to Porto the following week and lost in the ninety-second minute, and all of a sudden we were second place. We lost the title with one week in this to play in the season. Okay, um, I know I'm I'm still scarred from that. I don't know, maybe maybe not everyone else is, but uh, there. And I think that's part of the problem with this crowd. It's important to come out of this with the title to... to the more times we win, the less we think about years like that. I mean, we've we won four in a row after that season, so we shouldn't be thinking that. But it's still there. That that thought is still there, and I think it's there in the fans, and people are quiet in the stadium because they're nervous. They're they're afraid. They're waiting for this to unravel, um, just by our nature. So, again, scoring early. And getting a second really does a lot to to uh, to alleviate those 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 feelings those, those that nervousness in the crowd. Of course, if we're going if it's gonna be easy, we don't need the fans either. But we do need the fans. So we go into the halftime like I said, one nil uh, to Benfica. Um, come out in the second half, and again, it's another classic Brunelage halftime. Whatever it is. They come out of there, and they get they get the goal three minutes into the second half. Pizzi's right-footed shot. A little bit of luck as it hits off the defender and finds its way between Charles' legs and into the goal. Um, it was on a corner. Uh, the ball ended up being poorly cleared on the corner, and it gets back to Grimaldo, who gives it to Andre Almeida. Andre Almeida knocks a nice diagonal ball in the air right to Pizzi. Pizzi brings it down fires a right footed shot and like I said it deflects off of the defender and finds its way between Charles' legs and now it's two to nothing and the stadium erupts a little bit and I know at my desk I erupted a little bit and said, Alright, alright. One more This was my initial reaction because the the Bullinish Sad game is still in my mind because I was at that same desk and i looked at my phone saw 2 nothing put it down and said we got this one and then at the end i looked and saw that it was it was you know 2-2 or i pulled up the game i think i watched it actually that day on my phone but um yeah it was 2-0 so befica take continues to take control through the next 10 minutes in the 60th minute we get a substitution for maritimo and it would be Chico Banza coming on for the Argentinian Leandro Barrera. And Maritimu making the first substitution of the game. Befica would have another corner that was conceded by Nanu. Um, nothing comes from it there. And Andre Almeida wins a free kick in the 62nd when he's fouled by René. Um, another, another foul a few minutes later on Grimaldo and he was fouled also he was fouled by Jetterson. okay in the 63rd minute is when it it really starts to feel done and dusted this is when i got when this alert popped up i said all right game set match because it's 3-0 now Joan felix again another right footed shot from the right side of the box and let me tell you Joan felix is scoring goals this way a lot and it's what he's doing, as good as he is on the ball, it's becoming apparent just how good he is off the ball. Because he is scoring a lot of goals by starting his right central or on the left, coming across the goal onto his preferred right foot and putting it always across his entire body to the far left post. That's what he does here. He does this as well as anybody. The uh, cross had come in, okay, and he he it had come in from Andre Almeida, I believe. Um, and Joel Felix just gets a foot on it, puts it across his body, all the way to the far post. Charles gets a hand on it, but not enough to keep it out. Felix will score his 13th of the season. Um, And Benfica will take a 3-0 lead at this point. And at this point, you know the three points now, it would take a real um, collapse to lose the points at this point. Um, And the crowd starts to come a little bit alive as a result. Maritimo would make another substitution in the 67th minute. Fabrizio Baiano came on and replaced Pedro Pelagio. Okay. Um, Jean-Felix would win another free kick uh, in the 67th minute on a foul from Josip uh, Vuksovic. Um, and in the 70th, we would have another, another goal. It would be... The fourth for Benfica, and this time it was Franco Chervi. A left-footed shot from the center of the box to the right bottom right corner. He was assisted by João Felix. Felix having another career night. He's just absolutely tearing it up this season. And he has these games where he's just so productive offensively. Um, Four The stadium erupts, and two minutes later, Bruno Leisch says that's it for Felix. He's ready to save him with a four-goal lead. Jonas Kabzad replaces Joel Felix. And who would have said this back in July when Befica were playing Juventus out here in North America in at uh, Red Bull Arena? Um, we were all talking, wondering how, how long Jonas's injury was going to continue and how much he was going to be able... To pro- produce this year, we were wondering if Joan Felix, who came on at the end, got a few minutes in that match. Was gonna? Was he even gonna get any, any real time this season? You know, or was he gonna return to the B team? Well, fast forward, you know, ten months or nine months, and at the end of April here, after round thirty, it's Joan Felix coming off to a standing ovation, being rested while Jonas comes on for the the. The minutes, the four minutes, if you will, coming in to get some form. Uh, Jonas, like I said, replacing João Felix. 72nd minute. Um, nothing much after that. It continues to be uh, a Benfica. We had an injury delay for for a few minutes as Samadish was down. He was deemed to be all right. 77th minute. Adel Tarapt comes in. The Moroccan replaces Ruben Diez. Um Ruben carrying a yellow card, so uh, Bruno Lage had decided that that was enough and he pulled off the central defender, uh, brought in a midfielder, and adjusted the team that way. And then 78th, Maritimo would make a sub of their own. Uh, João Gamboa comes on in for René. And a minute later, Benfica would make their third substitution. Eduardo Salvio, Another Argentinian comes on. Peasy is off um, the assist king comes off for the day, and uh, Salviu comes in tries to he's trying to get his form back um, as we said rumors this week that that he's on his way out the door um, If so, he knows he's got a he's in the shop window if that's the case, and he's got to play well in these la- you know in any opportunity he gets in these last four games uh to earn himself a contract somewhere else if that is in fact true. Um, we don't know. You never know with this club, okay, or with any club. You never know what's true and what's not. Eightieth minute, Chico Banza is shown the yellow card for a bad foul against Samadish. Um The referee shows the yellow card, and then another yellow card to Maritimu in the 82nd. Fabrizio Bayanu. he's shown the yellow card for a foul on Ferhu. Um, Ferhu, you know, stayed down a little bit and um, two minutes later, the delay was over. He was up and ready to go. In the 84th, an attempt was missed by Jonas, a right-footed shot from the center of the box that was high and wide to the right. Servi had assisted that shot with a cross. In the 85th, another attempt saved as Safetović had another chance. He just couldn't buy a goal. The top goal scorer in the league this week could not buy a goal. Can't. He's trying to get that elusive 20th goal on the season. Um, Seferovic's right-footed shot from the right side of the box was saved in the bottom right corner. Uh, Salviu had set him up with that one. Um, 86th minute, Befica gets a corner uh, conceded by Lucas Afriku. Um, and the ensuing corner would result in Befica's fifth goal, another one for Chervi. Uh, He would get a left-footed shot from the left side of the box into the bottom right corner after a little bit of a scrum, uh, A couple of shots being blocked, it squirted through, got onto Chervi's left foot, and he fired it past Charles. 5-0 Benfica. The Luzinhas are out. Uh, Benfica fans are, are ready to, you know, and they've been criticized for this, but they're starting to head for the exits, starting to make that commute home as this game is in the bag at this point. And um, whether or not you uh, agree with that behavior, it is a sign that the game is, the game is over. Uh, <laughs> however, they missed, those that left early missed one because two minutes later, Salvio would get on the board. A header in the center of the box, heading the ball to the bottom left corner. Rimaldo with another assist on the cross. And the match would end at 90 plus 2. Befica winning 6-0. Let's go right into the stat line. Alright. There's not too much to talk about in this game. Um, possession went 65% to 35 for, in favor of Befica. Shots 25 to nothing in favor of Benfica. No shots by Maritibu in this match. Accurate passes. Benfica, 523 accurate passes. An 86% pass success rate for Benfica. Again, 523 accurate passes. 9 fouls for Benfica to Maritimus. 17 fouls. 10 corners to 1 in favor of Benfica. Benfica were offside once as was Maritimus. Uh, the player ratings for this match. Okay, we'll go through those as well here. Starting with Odie and Gold. A clean sheet. Very important. I always say that that's, that's the first order of business in every match, as far as I'm concerned. Is getting that clean sheet. Befica has struggled. Um, this is something that needs to be addressed, you know, in the off season, But th- for the rest of the way this year, we have what we have. And we just have to keep improving. And ha- we have to keep that ball out of our goal for the last four matches um, or at least for the better part of the last four matches. Uh, Odie, a 6.8 rating on footmob. Uh, good job for him. Didn't have much work to do. Andrel Mehta, the right back, getting an 8.0. Had a, himself a good night. The center backs with a 7.0 each. Um, standard, you know, consistent, solid performance from them. Alex Grimaldo, an 8.7 on the as a left back. The midfields. Midfielders, I should say. Pizzi with an 8.9 and a goal. Florentino Luigi 7.8. Samadi 7.3. Franco Cervi, 8.9. While Joel Felix got himself another man of the match. Uh, performance rated at a 9.0. Seferovic, 7.6. Uh, the standings now. And since it's now Saturday, we do know... Uh, Porto did drop points yesterday, okay? And I guess I'm happy to say I've been proven wrong when I said Porto would not drop any more points. And they did it to themselves, man. They did it to themselves. I've seen the highlights now, and anybody see Sergio's postgame? Oh, man. He was asked about it, and he said, Tabai. He says to the people that don't like him, he says, no fin da época, pego nas malas e vou-me embora. He said if they don't want him, he'll take his bags, no problem, and leave. That's because Sergio Conceição can can get a coaching job just about anywhere right now. Um, if Portistas think this is all on him, that's great. Uh, go ahead and chase away the best coach you've had, probably since Jose Mourinho. Go ahead and chase him away. Why not? Um, that. That's great news for us. So uh yeah, they the fans were not happy. I read it today too in some of the papers that the, the clock leader, the, the organized criminal there, Madureira, <laughs> was was uh was shouting aggressive things towards players. Um Portistas are funny. They they take they it so personal. Sometimes your team loses, guys. You had a two-goal lead, okay? I'm not going to sit here and celebrate. Like I said, um, we haven't even played yet this week. We still got four games to go. I'm not going to lançar that on Festa, okay? That's not what I'm going to happen. That's not what I'm going to do, excuse me. Um, but if you could still have to play, there's no guarantees, okay? There is no guarantees that we're going to win this next game. This is a tough, tough game. And remember, we got to go to that same Hiwav team in a couple of weeks. And when we do so, it's going to be a tough game, just like it was for Porto. But it was a series of mistakes last night for Porto that that uh, cost them the two points. But um, And Sergio was right. They got an experienced team, too experienced, to make mistakes like that. Um, but this is not the Porto podcast, obviously, so we'll leave it at that. So here's the standings as they sit tonight, Saturday night, April 27th. Okay, Porto are first right now with, uh, with 76 points. Benfica be back one point, but with the match in hand, obviously playing tomorrow. Sporting, they played earlier today, beat Vitoria Guimarães 2-0. They are third on 70 points. Okay, so a Benfica win tomorrow also, um, well, not quite yet, also, almost makes it impossible for Sporting to win the title. Befica, a Benfica win tomorrow would put us on 78 points. 8 ahead of Sporting with 3 games to play at that point. Sporting can still get 9 points. So they're going to be in the title race for at least one more week. Braga are 4th, comfortably in 4th now with 64. 6 points out of 3rd and a comfortable 15 points out of 5th. 5th is Moreirense on 49 points. Vitoria Guimaraes, as I said earlier today, beaten by Sporting. They're 6th with 45. Um, Boulinish Sad is 7th on 40. Rioav is 8th with 39. Santa Clara, 9th on 38 points. Sportiva has 36, as does Portimones, who we will be seeing next week. Vitoria Stubal is 12th with 33, as is Maritimu, 13th, also on 33 Boavista 14th on 32. This is where it gets exciting. Tondela one point above the line with 31 points. Um, Like I said, their game with Marítimo tomorrow is is enormous. Um, Such a six-pointer. If one of those teams gets a victory, they're going to make some some space between them and that line of uh, going down. Shavj uh, right now in 16th, going down with 28 points. Nacional one behind them in 17th uh, with 27 points. And Fedence already relegated in last place with 15 points. Top scorers in the Liga Naj as it stands right now. Remember, some have played this week. Others have not. Seferovic, our very own, is the top goal scorer with 19 Sporting's Bruno Fernandes is three behind with 16. Diego Souza, who we're going to see tomorrow, is third with 14, as is Baz Dost. Uh, João Felix and Tikin Suárez have 13. They're right behind uh, Diego and Baz Dost for third. Uh, Rafa, one of another one of our players, with 12. Marega and Brahimi are next with 10, as is Jonas. And the assists... Um, PZ is the top assist man right now, 16 assists, Bruno Fernandes uh, 4 behind him with 12, Grimaldo has 9 as does Andre Almeida, uh, Tecatito Corona has 8, Chiquinho has 7 along with Jean Felix um, and Otavio who also have 7, Alex Telch and Diego Sosa each have 6. All right, so that's where it stands right now. Now, the big game is tomorrow against Braga, Sporting Braga. We're going on the road. We're going to play against Sporting Braga at the Pedrera, at their home stadium. And let's go and see the last team. I'm going to bring up the team they played with last week in a 2-0 victory on the road over Ferenc, the already relegated Ferenc. So, we'll see if this is what we see tomorrow. But, they played in a four-four-two. Okay. Uh, Tiago Sau was the goalie. The left back was Murilo, Pablo, and Bruno Viana, the center backs. And, uh, Ricardo Ishgayo, the ex-Sporting Academy product. And, uh, native of Nez- beautiful Nazaré in Portugal. Not far from my family at all. A, f- a short drive from my family. Um another product of the the Nazarenos uh, youth team as well Nazarenos is the local team in Nazare they they produced the Ishgayu brothers way back they produced Emilio Pesh and Stefan, Ishgayu, uh, Stefan Ishtakiu, Stefan who's now playing in Mexico for Cruz Azul also came out of Nazarenos um, ended up playing for Torreense. Lechones Chaves and is now playing on uh for Cruz Azul, and he's also switched his his uh, national nationality, national eligibility, national team eligibility. Excuse me, back to Canada. He's a Canadian-born player who who played raised in Nazare, um, and has played for Portugal at under 21. And as soon as Portugal were knocked out of the under 21s, um, and he was transferred to. To Mexico, he he did announce that he was gonna make himself available for Canada's national team rather than Portugal's, believing that that's a better fit for him. And playing in Mexico makes sense, but that's a side topic. But anyway, Ricardo is a guy who's a good player, um, good right back, and uh, he could give us some trouble if we if we allow a counter attack um, to hurt us. He he will be a part of it. Across the middle, another um, guy that I think we all know, a Benfica youth product, Ricardo Horta on the, was a, was on the left. He put in a good match last week. Claudemir and João Paiña were the two center uh, mids with Wilson Eduardo, another good player on the right. He's now an Angola international. As most of you know, he is the older brother. Of Inter Milan's Joao Mario and Portugal you know Portuguese national teams. Joao Mario, he's the older brother of Joao Mario. Um, up front, Paulinho and Fran Sergio were the two forwards. And remember that we beat this Braga team six to two. I believe it was earlier in the season. I'll bring up the, I'll bring it up from earlier in the season. It, it was six to two. I believe it was Rui Vitória's last victory. As coach of Benfica, it was against this Braga team when they came into the Stadio de Luz. Remember, a week later, Rui Vitoria was, was beaten by Portimones and was sent on his way to the Middle East. Um, yeah, it was two weeks later, but it was, in fact, Rui Vitoria's last victory. It was 6-2 to against Braga. I'll go over the teams that played on that day. All right, and just so we can see just how different um, <laughs> these teams might look today. Okay, but it was a six to two match. The lineups back on. Does this give me a date? It was back on like week week fourteen or thirteen. Um, so, Braga started with Tiago Sa that day. He got a horrible rating of two point two. Of course, Benfica scored six. Uh, Nunes Siqueira was the left back. Pablo and Bruno Viana were the center backs. Marcelo Goyano was the right back. Ricardo, Ricardo Esgayu was playing right mid that day. Uh, earned a 6.5 rating while Fran Sergio and Claudemid were the mid, center mids as they were last week. And Ricardo Horta was the starting left mid. Ricardo Horta, remember, is also the older brother of former Bay Fica uh, midfielder, now LAFC midfielder, André Horta. Uh, and Diego Souza and Paulinho were the starters up top. Diego Souza had a goal that day and put in an 8.0 uh, performance. Benfica on that day lined up with Odiseos Vlacodimus in goal. The back line, André Almeida at the right, he had a goal. Uh, Ruben Díaz partnered with Jardel, which was the, the partnership for much of the first half of the season. Alex Grimaldo was the left back. And now here's where things were different we played a 4-3-3 this was Halil uh standard with Feija, Jedson and Pizzi as the three man midfield and up front Jonas started with Franco Servi. and Zivkovic was the right attack was the right forward and he was the man of the match he didn't score a goal but he was the man of the match with a 9.0 rating that day okay Benfica were slightly better on possession, 55% to 45, 14 shots to 12, okay, 416 accurate passes to 330. Benfica were better than Braga, but it was a closer game than the scoreline indicated. Um, the reason I bring this up is because we cannot go into the game tomorrow thinking about this game. This was a lifetime ago. We're a much different Benfica. They're a different Braga, okay? They had both teams had come into that match. On five straight wins. Both of them. Um, and Benfica had beat them. And again, Benfica were beaten. You know, Benfica would draw with Avs the previous, the next week. And then they would lose to Portimonense the week after that. And that was it for Rui Vittorio. We got Bruno Leij, uh, that week. And the rest has been history. It has been a wonderful... Uh, it has been a wonderful romance, if you will, with Benfica and their fans in the last uh, now 15 rounds that Bruno Lage has been in charge. 14 victories, one draw. Um, love to see it continue all the way through these last uh, four rounds of the of the Liga Nage, Okay. Um, also, I said I'd keep you updated. I know a lot of you don't care about this stuff, but uh, I'm a Benfiquista, and this. I care about it all. So, today, Benfica victorious on the parquet, on the hardwood floor. Okay, Benfica winning 90-61 to in basketball over Ovarense. Benfica's becoming uh, more and more solidly in second place as they head in to the basketball. The LPB uh, playoffs, which I said earlier, have n- the NBA's got nothing on the LPB. No, I'm just kidding. But, no, seriously, hopefully... Um, I want to see if you could do well also we've got like I said volleyball're champions they won the treble uh futsal getting ready for the playoffs that's coming up there's a lot of stuff coming up Hockey is 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 working its way towards the end of the season um we'll have updates on that too as we get closer to it but th- that's it for this week guys again I apologize for the late uh the late release. By the time you hear this, you probably have already seen the Bayfica Braga game, but um, I hope you catch it. Don't forget to check back episode eleven, um, my review of the Benfica women's team's victory in Braga last week. Also, over on my Park in the Bus podcast network on on Podbean, I put up an episode this week as well. Um, I did a lot of podcasting this week. At least, you know, for someone with a 65-hour work week, I carved out another several hours to to watch football and um, and produce a couple podcasts. This week, I put it up. I reviewed for those of you interested uh, the first leg of the Concacaf Champions League final uh, between the arch rivals Monterrey and Tigres of Mexico. They're calling it La Final Regia. Um, I put that up. They played Tuesday night. I had it up by Friday, by Wednesday night. A much shorter podcast, a much uh, one segment, straighter, much more straightforward uh, format. I just reviewed the match um, in about forty-five minutes or so, uh, talking about uh, Tigres and Monterrey. Uh, it is the final of the Concacaf Champions League, so I did cover it there, and I will be covering the second leg later this week. So, for anyone interested. Wednesday night, Univision Deportes Network here in the United States. Um, also on the Yahoo Sports um, website and app. It should be working on the app as well if you want to watch it in English. It's it's the return leg this time. It's at Monterrey. Monterrey versus Tigres. Monterrey taking a 1-0 lead into the second leg. The winner will be crowned champion of the CONCACAF region. And um, there is some... Interest for Benfica players, as you'll remember the name, perhaps of Rogelio uh, Funes Mori, as well as um, an injured player that you would you're more likely to remember with Benfica, Jonathan ureta Biscaya, as we called him Ureta. Uh, not on the pitch, injured, uh, unlikely to play this Wednesday, but he also is representing Monterrey. Alright, so that is it for this week, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you have a great weekend. Um, enjoy the match tomorrow. It's going to be 12.30 Eastern Time here uh, in the United States. 9.30 Pacific, 5.30 Portuguese Time, okay, on a Sunday. Enjoy the match. Um, we got to go get this. these three points. I read today that... They're expecting something like twelve thousand, an invasion of twelve thousand Benfica fans in this game. Um, those of you that might not have been following, Braga sold Benfica less tickets than the the minimum allotment. I don't know how that that's allowed to happen in Portugal, but it is. Porto was was allowed five thousand tickets uh, when they went there. Benfica allowed only fifteen hundred. When three thousand, I believe, is what they're supposed to be allowed. However, um, they're expecting about twelve thousand Benfica fans through the general public to to get into that stadium. This could be another home game. Um, there are a lot of Benfiquistas in Braga, and Rogério Matias talked about this during the women's game last week in that very same city against these two same clubs. That Braga's attendance has attendances have been going down due to their fans and their clubs uh, more. Rig more stringent anti Benfica stance. Okay, Benfica and Braga have been a- allies a long time, but the fans are are the fans have really turned anti Benfica, the hardcores, which has pushed a lot of of the 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 Braga natives who are Befica fans from continuing to support Braga, and that's why their attendances are down. But those people, the majority of the people. In that area are Benfica's. Okay. So this could turn into another uh, home away from home match. I'm hoping so. Um, it'll be difficult. It's going to be difficult no matter what. But the support will absolutely be a, be needed. And be welcomed. Forza Benfica. Carrega Benfica. Damu 37. Remember. Follow me on Twitter. At Benfica Mr. Okay, on Twitter and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. You can also find the Parking the Bus Network on Instagram at PTB Soccer. Okay, so check those out. Uh, Follow follow me there on those sites if you can. Um, Also, the Facebook page for Mr. Benfica, just search Mr. Benfica. and that's really it for this week, okay? Again, if you have any kind of feedback, hit me up. I'll be happy to discuss it on the on the show next week. We'll see you back here next week, okay? Hopefully with a two-point cushion. Hopefully getting ready for Portimonis and getting ready for a full house at the Stadio de Luz next week. Big game tomorrow, though. Um, I hope everyone enjoys the match. For Let's go, Benfica! You can do this. We are all behind you. There, this is... We're at the stage now. This is where character comes through. This is where it gets tough. When you have it, you know, in sight, you have to go get it. Benfica have a chance to take a two-point lead in the standings. Got to get the three points tomorrow. There's no other option. Kahega Benfica, damu 37. Goodbye, everybody. See you next week.